0: you are new here, um, we would love for you to fill out a connect card in the front pew pocket. Um, it just gives us a little bit of information about you. Once you fill that out, you can take it to the connect room that we have in our lobby through glass double doors. If it's your first time with us, we'd love to give you a free gift um, and just welcome you and say hello and get to know you and your family um, today. We have a few different announcements this morning. How many of you are excited for lunch today? I know I am. Um, We are having our potluck lunch down at the Eno River. So if you take a right out of Coal Mill Road and then go all the way down, take a right when you get to Coal Mill and go all the way down, you'll be at, you'll run into the Eno. And that is where we will be meeting at the Ford Fuse Shelter. If you're still kind of questioning where that is, if you're like me and you're directionally challenged, um, then you can follow somebody. Somebody would love to lead you there today. Um, It is a potluck. If you didn't bring anything, still come. We want for you to be a part of this um, and to have some good time of fellowship together. We have a small group announcement. As you know, small groups are starting up next week. If you have signed up, we have divvied out the groups. We are so excited because we have enough um, people that have signed up to make multiple groups. So this is great. Um, And we are going to be telling you what group you're in and where you're supposed to go. But if you haven't signed up just yet, there is still time. So I'm going to ask the Smiths to come on up and talk about small groups and what they
1: mean to them. We really don't have anything planned. Well, Larry probably has something planned. So we're excited to host um, small groups at our house. It's going to be, for now, it's going to be every other Sunday. I think it starts next Sunday. ah, At least I knew that a week ahead of time. Um, And what small groups meant to us when we kind of did the trial period is not only studying the Word of God, but really diving in um, for what the pastor had gone over that Sunday morning, and then also building relationships Um, if there's a need, sometimes it's easier to talk about our needs in a small group than to bring it before the whole church. Um, And when we're in a small group, we just tend to build those relationships. So just to echo what Tammy said, I mean, we're made for fellowship. And, you know, what happens, we're busy people. We rush in on Sunday. I see you because I open some, and we fellowship in, and it's good to see each other. And then the service starts, and then we rush out back to our lives. And we really should work on building some intimacy. And this is an opportunity to do that. What I did as Tammy, what I got out of the small group trial was, you know, we get to know each other. And and quite frankly, once we really get to know someone, that's where we trust is built. And that's where we open up to to someone to say, Let me let me tell you where I'm where where I'm really at spiritually. Let me tell you what I'm really struggling with. And so those types of bonds, church, is what helps us to grow. And that's where that's done. It's done in small group. And, and many of you have experienced that already through the years here. But what we're trying to do is really cultivate that. So I'm glad to hear that many of you have signed up. We're excited to have you into our home and uh, look forward to, um, to building more intimate and deeper relationships and growing together. In-
0: Thanks, guys. So again, that's next Sunday. If you've already signed up, we have your phone number. We'll send you a message or we'll get in touch with you to let you know what group you are a part of. Thank you for signing up. We are thrilled. Um, One thing that I did want to mention, Mission Sunday is being moved to October 13th. Um, So we will have our Mission Sunday on October 13th. The next thing that I want to mention on October 6th, I'm sure you've seen signs all over the community. If you've been driving back and forth to Raleigh, you'll see them there. Um, we are having the Decision America tour that is with Franklin Graham. That is going to be at Walnut Creek, um, which is uh, it's called the Tar Heel State Tour that they're doing. So if you have a friend that needs to know the Lord, which I hope we do have those people in our lives that we're trying to reach out to, this is a great event to take them to. That is on October the 6th at 4 p.m. and it is called the Decision America Tour. The um, regional conference for our fellowship that our church is part of um, is going to be from October 9th through the 10th in Douglasville, Georgia. Just a short little drive away. We would love for you to be part of that um, and enjoy just the ministry that's there. Um, get to minister to our pastor as well um, at that conference there. If you are interested in registering and going to that, you can go to the website at BethelDurham.com. I believe it's BethelDurham.com register if you're interested in that. And finally, this sounds exciting, on the 19th of October, um, we are going to be taking a trip to the North Carolina Mountains, and it is absolutely gorgeous in the fall, isn't it? Um, So that will be happening. You'll leave at 7 o'clock in the morning, and there is a sign-up sheet in the foyer if you're interested. That will be a trip where the bus will be taken to the North Carolina Mountains,
2: Wow, it's a lot happening. Uh, One of the things that's so important and very important is the fact that uh, we fellowship together. As most of you know, we've been having DMIP, Durham Ministers, in prayer on uh, Tuesday at 9.30, every Tuesday morning. And we've been doing that for well over 10 years. And there's about 40 ministers that gather together there at Dayspring Church on 9th Street. And we pray. I mean, that's the, that's the focus is, is for prayer. Well, what we've done is build relationships. And that's what these small groups meetings are. And that's what the picnic is all about. And we encourage you, if you would, to, uh, to be part of some of this. You can't be part of all of it, but you can be part of, of much of it. And so we encourage you to do that. Thank you for coming today. Uh, if you do not have an outline of the sermon, we want everyone to have an outline of the sermon. Please, just lift your hand, and brother, the brethren will make sure you get one. How many of you young people in school have a, have a football team in your school? Let me see your hand. You have a football team in your school. <laughs> They don't have football teams in high school? They do? How many of you young people, They that maybe dads and moms and grandparents, that your son plays uh, sports or your daughter plays sports? Let me see your hand. Wow. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Lily's... Ian and all of them well people in, in, interested in sports and uh I wanted to find out who, who won the games at your school since I don't see anybody that they have a football team and I know you're not playing basketball now I'm sure many of you have a favorite <clears throat> college team and I'll keep this sanctified I, I really will I'll just keep it sanctified some of us we like Carolina, Tar Heels. Some of us we like uh, the Blue Devils, Duke Blue Devils, and some of us we like NC State. Name another school that I missed. No, uh, that's other than those three. What? Okay. Elon. How about uh, Central? Anyone? Anyone? So we all get involved in some way, and it's good. I, I love sports. I. Uh, uh, I think it's interesting and I think it, it, it brings us together. But the most important thing is getting together with God's people. Now, <clears throat> if I closed out now, having those 10 people to stand up here and sing that song will, was well worth the time, energy, and gas or whatever. That was great. Would you give them another good hand, please? I appreciate the harmony. Uh, it, 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 it went very, very well. It sort of reminded me of the Texan that got to heaven and wanted to Peter to help him to get a choir. He said, I want a thousand voice sopranos. Peter said, I, That's pretty good. I can do that, I think. I want a thousand voice altos. I can do that. He said, I want a 1,000 voice uh, baritones. He said, we can do that. So he wanted this choir. He started to walk away. He said, "Uh, wait a minute, how about bass? He said, I'm going to sing bass. (laughs) That's funny. It's real funny. Again, thank you for coming. I hope you can go to the picnic this afternoon. I have been lately on a very important and interesting I think subject and that is God's family the church in these last days having power and authority. Jesus has given you and I power the believer every believer that has the spirit of God has power and authority. There is a difference between power and authority. The simple term is what? Power is what? The power or the ability to do something. Authority is what? The right to do something. Now the devil has power. He does not have authority. You have power and authority. We mentioned Uh, over the last several Sundays, the series that we're on, and five reasons believers don't walk in the power and in the authority they have in Christ. Can you think of some of the... Why don't we walk in that? Why doesn't the church live in that granted power, granted authority? Why? Well, on this fight, one, is because of sin... Two is because of ignorance. Three is because of unbelief. Four is just simply out of fear. And number five, and this is very important, is prayerlessness. Prayerlessness. Now, what I want to do is is read some scripture. If you will turn with me and notice St. Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 20. They'll put it on the screen but if you have your Bible or your iPad or whatever, you can go ahead and read it with me. And we read from the New King James Version. Verse 17, Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan, this is important, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, Verse 19. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Father... I stand behind this pulpit in awe this morning. I speak your word. Speak them to our hearts. God, speak them to our ears. Speak them into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Seventy. Of the seventy were the twelve apostles. And they come back rejoicing because Jesus had given them power. He sent them out. Listen to this. Two by two. And they went out preaching. They went out praying for the sick. They went out casting out devils. And they come back to Jesus and they are rejoicing. They're so excited. Let me ask. You, and these, these were men that were, that were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were not preachers. Jesus called them and gave them that power. Let me ask you something. How would you have felt if you'd gone out and had power over demons. If you'd come back and what would you have said? How would you have felt that, hey, listen, even the demons are subject to us through your name? My wife and I have the privilege of living a long time. God's blessed us. We were living, of course, in the 40s. We were living and knew what was going on in the, church world in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and up till now. Back in the 40s and especially the 50s and early part of the 60s, there was a move of God, a powerful move of God among the church. And when I say the church, I mean all over the world, not just the United States, but all over the world. It was an old-fashioned Pentecostal move. Now, I'm not saying it. It just happened in the Pentecostal church. I think it happened in other churches. But there was a fantastic. It's, this was a fantastic time to be alive when it when it comes to the manifestation of the Spirit of God. When it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, we had the privilege of going to tent after tent, meeting after meeting, meeting. Uh, large building after large building, gatherings all over the United States. And especially, uh, we remember Oral Roberts. See, Oral Roberts put his first tent up here in Durham. Yeah. He put it on Andrew Avenue. But we went to his tent when it was in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Oral Roberts had a, a, a large, large tent, seated thousands and thousands of people. We also had another tent that was about this size for the sick. Those that had crutches, those that were in wheelchairs, ambulances lined up one after the other bringing the sick and they were healed. Crutches were piled up over your head. Crutches. People were healed. People were powerfully ministered to it was but it was not only just little Roberts you could I could name preacher after preacher after preacher where all over especially the United States, all these miracles took place people were wonderfully saved. demons were cast out and there was this great great manifestation of the Lord and that happened in the 40s, it happened in the 50s it happened in the 60's. In the early part of the 60s, there was another move that was called the charismatic move. Charismatic move. And uh, this was where the nominal churches, the Presbyterians, the Baptists, the Lutherans, those type of churches received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Many Catholics received the baptism and began to speak in tongues. And it, it just swept this nation. There, were, there was hardly no stadium anywhere that they could not fill up. It was, it was just an amazing outburst of God's presence. Now, you may ask yourself today, Pastor, you tell about these things in the past. What about today? What happened? Jesus told these disciples, or these 70, he said, listen, don't rejoice because the spirit is subject unto you, but rejoice. Why? Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I I, I talked about last week where the man, the father had his son that was demon possessed and Jesus uh, uh, Peter, James, and John were on the mountain top, and they were experiencing the great transfiguration. And 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 then they came down and here. This great crowd had gathered, and this father had brought his son that was possessed of uh, of, of a demon. And oh boy, all kind of outbursts and physically out physical outbursts because of this demon uh, foaming at the mouth been thrown into the fire, been thrown into the water. And the disciples could not cast out that demon. I believe that some of the reasons, and I brought them out Sunday morning, some of the reasons that these disciples could not cast out this demon is some of the reasons that The 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s are not happening today. Those disciples was the lack of faith. They could not. And we studied this. Prayerlessness. Faithless. Self-centeredness. Why could we not cast him out? They were relying, were relying on what had happened in the past. They were relying on that to cast this demon out, but it didn't happen. And they were embarrassed. In fact, the religious leaders were chiding the, them and said, why couldn't you cast out this demon? They were totally embarrassed. And when they got in the house, they asked Jesus why. Sad to say that we... Uh, witnessed a lot of that that went on in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. Many of the preachers that had gathered and thousands and tens of thousands had come to hear them and to be healed. Now, some of them did not. I want you to understand that. I think the man, Old Roberts, was a godly man. I think he stayed true to the call that was upon his life. But I could name you minister after minister after minister. And we even had some of those preachers in our church. Jack Cole, no matter what disease came up before him, he would pray the prayer of faith. And many of those people were healed and set free. And physically, you could tell it physically, cancers would fall off. All these things. Were, so why, Brother Don, why don't we see that today? Because self got in the way. Because people started using these ministers and people started using the the outburst of the Spirit of God and the anointing of the Spirit of God and they started bestowing on themselves and they were like the disciples. Look what I've done. Jesus, wait a minute. You see, when we get to where we think we can do it without God, we've already lost out. And I think that's where the church is today. We have plenty of money. We have all kind of transportation. We have all kind of amusements. Everything to take us away from, from that prayer life, from that steadfastness, from that seeking the face of the Lord. We don't need God. I'm not seeing all of us. Maybe none of us here in this church. But America doesn't need God any longer, and then you started to see. Listen, Carol's dad's name was Zeb Holder. He started this church back in 1958. Thank you. 1958 is when this church was established, and we we witnessed. Now you talk about a true man of God. He was he was a true man of God. We witnessed. So many miracles that took place. Many years ago, there was a young lady, teenager, I think she was, if not early 20s, came to him and one of her legs was shorter than the other. Now, when I say one leg was shorter than the other, I mean it, she had a built-up shoe. I, I don't exaggerate, but it was at least four inches or more. And Brother Holder sat Linda down and prayed for her, and guess what? That leg lengthened out, and it was the same length as her other leg. She had to get rid of her build-up shoe. She became a minister in the gospel. God richly blessed Linda. Well, what happened, God was lengthening legs, but then a lot of preachers started doing it themselves without the power of God and using it to raise a lot of money. Now, many of you don't know of this. Many of you never saw this happen. And so what they would do, and I've seen it person after person after person, I mean just many of them, they would sit them down in a chair and they would kneel down in front of them and they would hold their feet like this and they would carry their feet to the side. Well, you know what that does to it? It makes one leg longer than the other one. And Brother Dunn, why would you say this? Because the church has a way of succumbing to the same very thing, dispensation after dispensation. And so they would pray, Oh, God! And then they would move their legs one way and it was straightened out and people shout all over the place my God I just saw it this, this leg really lengthened and a lot of that stuff went on I could go on and on and on and so what God did he said I give my glory to no man and what God did he took that manifestation took that move away from the church This is my opinion. This is what I think happened. God's not going to give his glory to to the flesh and to man. Preachers raised thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars on gimmicks. God's not into gimmicks, folks. God's not into playing church. If you're here today playing church, God's not into that. But if you're here and you have a real desire, if you're lost and you want to be saved, you have a real desire to be saved, you can be saved here today, this morning, right now. But if you're just tiptoe through the tulips, if you're just haphazardly seeking God, you're not going to get anything from God. And these disciples, they came, and they were very, very, very excited about what God was doing. And Jesus said, time out, time out. But then he makes a statement here that is so interesting. When they came and they said, the demons are subject to us in your name, he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now there were four casting downs of Satan. Number one he was cast from the heaven from heaven. Number two, and I'll get to that, he was cast out of the life and heart of mankind through the cross. Number three, he's going to be cast into the bottomless pit, and number four, he is going to be cast in the lake of fire forever and forever and forever. Jesus was saying here, "I was watching." Listen at me. I was watching, and this is what this text here—it has a dual meaning. But it mainly means that Jesus, while those disciples were out in the field or out ministering to people, Jesus saw Satan defeated and fall like lightning. Somebody say amen. I love that. Powerful. And that's what Jesus wants to see with the church today. And that's what the church can do today if we get serious about serving God and seeing our fellow man delivered from alcohol, drugs, immorality, all the things that are that is binding man today, God desires that it happen today. And it can, just like it did on the day of Pentecost, just like it did in the ministry of Jesus, just like it did in the 1940s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, 60s, it can happen today. There's a price to pay. There's a price to pay. Can, can, I, can I back up just a minute and, and, and deal with something that really struck a chord in my life? And I hope it will yours. I, I won't finish this message today. I'm, I'm done and I know I won't. But I, could you? I, I didn't give you this, uh, Tammy, and I, I'm, I'm sorry. But uh, I want to go to John. Listen at me. I want to go to John chapter 12. Don't don't let me lose you. This This is interesting to me. I hope it will be to you. I want to go to John chapter 12. And I want to read, start reading with verse 20 and read through verse 32. Follow me. Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. I hope and trust and would like across the length and breadth of Durham County that the people that go to church said, I want to see Jesus. I don't want to see some program. I don't want to see someone just performing. I want to see Jesus. Amen? And that's, you know, the Jews said, I want to see a miracle. The Greeks said, I want to see Jesus. If you see Jesus, experience Jesus, you'll see a miracle. We would see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus, but Jesus, now listen, listen, listen to this, this is interesting, but Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the son of man should be glorified. What a statement. Philip was a Greek name. Andrew was a Greek name. And these Greeks came, which are Gentiles. That's what you and I are. We are Gentiles. And these Gentiles, now you know Jesus told his disciples, don't go. In fact, he said of himself, I can only go to the house of Israel. Now he went to Samaria. He went to Decapolis. He went to other places. He went went to where the Greeks and the Gentiles were. But his main thrust was to the Israelites, to the Jews. And of course, we know that they rejected him. They rejected him. In fact, it says, Jesus sent forth and commanded them, his disciples and the 70, said, go not into the way of the Gentiles. Now that just don't make any sense we have the gospel we have something that will change the world and here jesus of nazareth is said don't go to the gentiles wait a minute lord listen and into any city of the samaritans don't go to the samaritans enter you not but go rather through the lost sheep of the house of israel now it's coming down to the time where Jesus, listen at me, is going to be crucified. And here these Greeks, here these Gentiles are coming to these two guys and both of their names are Greek names, and uh, Philip and Andrew. And they come to Jesus and Jesus says, Answers it, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. You know what that meant, glorified? It meant the cross. How can a man say that the cross meant glory? I mean, if you don't know the ins and outs, the understanding, if you don't have the Holy Spirit to lead you, teach you about what is going on with the Scripture, There's no way you can understand that. How can anybody get glory out of the suffering that Jesus Christ did before and after and during the cross of Calvary or before the cross of Calvary? Listen. Then he says this. Most assuredly, when you see that in the Bible, give it special attention. Most assuredly I say to you unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies it remains alone. And if it dies it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Again, let the Lord show you what he's talking about. What he's illustrated. He's talking about the grain of wheat and I was a farmer and understand a little bit about how the seed of whatever, whatever it is, the wheat or whatever crop you sow, that, that grain of wheat, that grain must fall into the ground and must decay, must die before it can spring forth and bring life. And Jesus was talking about his own death. It's time. It's time for him to die. And he's got to go to Calvary. He's got to die. He's got to be buried and raised a third day in order to, to produce life to every man and every woman that every live that ever we will live. He's got to die. That grain of wheat has got. If anyone serves me, Let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father uh, will honor. Now my soul is troubled. Understand that Jesus Christ was about to go to the cross. He knew not many days from him, hence he was going to the cross. And this is what he says about it. He said, my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but but for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Now, he's got this group, around him. He's talking about it. He's talking about, hey, and here the Greeks are coming. They're seeking, I mean, for the, one of the first times, or other times, but the main first time, these Greeks, these Gentiles are coming to him, and he knows the time is draw and near. He said, glorify your name. Then a voice, listen to this, came from heaven saying, I have glorified him and will glorify it again. He's talking to the Father. And the Father speaks from heaven. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it thundered. <laughs> I wonder if God would speak to us today how we would hear it. Would we hear it at all because of all of our activity? We're too busy to hear his voice. Or we say, oh, I don't know what that was. But let's go on about our way. We got We're too busy. Some of the people said it thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me. But for your sake, now is the judgment, and here it is, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw the Jews to me. Is it on the screen? Is that what he said? This is where he goes to all people. He says, if I be lifted up, if, in other words, on the cross, if I go to the cross and if I die, and he was, raised, rose again, I will draw all people. That means you and you, your mom, your dad, your son, your daughter, your grandchildren. That means whosoever will. That's when the door's flung wide open. And the call goes out today, and you can rest assured, God wants to save your friends, your neighbors, your classmates. He wants to save the folks down the street. He wants to save your neighbors. Jesus Christ said, when I go to the cross and I'm lifted up, I'll draw them into me. All you and I've got to do is get the word out. All we've got to do is preach the gospel. Let people know Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. And that's what Franklin Graham is going to do in just a few days. Here in the Triangle and all over North Carolina, he's going to let people know, hey, Jesus loves you and he wants to save you. If you're here today and you don't know him, I'm encouraging it. Do not walk out those doors without having a special, ongoing, knowingly relationship with Jesus Christ. It will make a big difference. Jesus catch down. Jesus would die. Notice, and I've got just a few minutes. How many, of you give, how many of you give me five more minutes? Let me see your hand. Hold them up. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. That's mean. I know what time it is. Hurriedly listen. Can you hurriedly listen? The introduction, Jesus would die on the cross... To redeem men from the curse of sin, enabling them to be saved eternally and to restore, I love this, the fellowship with God, broken such a long time before by the disaster in Eden. The victory came through death itself. The cross, here it is, the cross cast Satan out, dethrone him. He is now a usurper and shall finally be cast into The lake of fire. Number one, Roman numeral number one, don't have time. They can study it at the small group. Satan's expulsion from heaven. Number two, here's what I'm going to dwell on. The power of the cross. The power of the cross. Now the judgment of this world, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. The world's going to be judged. Satan is going to be defeated. How was Satan defeated? Listen at me. He was defeated on the cross. And that's where, that's what Jesus is talking about in this verse. Satan is going to be cast down. The cross is going to do something to him. Satan cast out of human hearts the judgment of the world and the dethronement of its prince. You know, sometimes we give in to the devil too much and, and too easy. The Bible says, you know what? God has detoothed him. He may be going around, but he may be like a lamb, but he just roars. The devil can do no more to you than what you let him do. And if you have faith in God, if you stand on the Word of God and be bold in the Lord, there's nothing. Listen, the church... Or to be the one that's making inroads to our culture today. Not Hollywood. God wants the church to stand up. People are delivered from Satan's reign of spiritual darkness because of Christ. Victory on the cross. Read with me. Paul is writing to the church at Colossi. One. He was, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of, of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness certainly of sin. You say, Brother Don, if the devil was defeated, why is he so active? Why is he so prominent today? Because the church is not where the church ought to be. And the church is not using the power that God gave it. When Jesus hung on the cross... Especially at Pentecost, when the power of God fail and you and I, listen to me, don't you let no one deceive you. You and I, the church, the believer, has the spirit and the power of God, but we also have the authority of God and we can cast out devils, we can, we can tromp along, tramp along, scorpions. Now, that's not speaking of of snakes and scorpions physically. That's speaking of the enemy of your and my soul and your children's soul and everyone else's soul. Satanic power. God wants us to use it. As far as those who are in Christ are concerned, Satan is powerless over them. Don't you be afraid of the devil and his imps. Satan cannot make the believer do anything. When Christians sin, it is because they have chosen the sin. The devil can't make you sin. Someone says, "Oh, the devil made me do it." Oh no, 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 no! You chose to do that. You yourself. The devil has no power over you, as I said, unless you give it to him. Jesus said in Saint Luke ten and one. I've read it so many times. Behold, I give you the authority over all the powers. Of the enemy, Luke ten and one, and then oh Roman numeral number three. I don't have time to deal with that, but you can deal with it in your small groups. The ultimate, I love this, and I talked about he's been cast into the bottomless pit, and also be cast into the lake of fire. He'd be cast one time into the bottomless pit, be there for one thousand years. Interesting study. Number three is an interesting study. Number four, and I'm closing. The thunder of the gospel brought down the devil as lightning. Why did Jesus use lightning? Because that's how quick and how sudden he desires the church to defeat the devil. Boom. The devil was in heaven one day. He allowed pride to enter into his heart, and boom, he was thrown from heaven just like that. And God wants the church to stand up and say, devil, you are a liar. You are defeated. Whew. I felt that. The Holy Ghost wants you to take authority. The Holy Ghost has given you authority. Not just a preacher, a deacon, or, or some uh, elder in the church. Or, or, or God's given you authority. He's given the church authority. And he was watching. That's what he said. I saw Satan fall like lightning. What Jesus was doing in the spirit, he was watching all seven of those people going out, casting out devils. Boom, 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 boom. He's watching. God watches you in your triumphs. Let's take advantage of it. Jesus saw in in their ministry the present and ultimate defeat of Satan. What Christ did on the cross, listen to this, have I got it? I don't even think I have it. Colossians two. I meant to put it down. Colossians two. Read it. It's a good, good place to read it. That you're, Colossians two fourteen and fifteen. The idea here is that God, through the cross events, divested principalities. Stay with me. Stay with me. Divested principalities and powers of their uncontested rule and authority over redeemed people who live under Christ. Lordship. Now, Satan and his imps have not been annihilated. He's still around, my friend. I think he got a lot of imps in Washington, D.C. He's still around. The devil is around. This nation was founded on these powerful principles. But man has done his best to remove this nation from the foundation that it was founded on. And he's done a good job of it. It's up to the church to take a stand and believe God. The early church, the, listen to me, the early church took authority over the devil and demons. And there are a lot of them. You say, where are the demons today? Oh, yes. Don't be afraid of them. But there are a lot of demons and devils out today. You don't see them. We're not fly, fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against principalities. They're here. You said to go to church? I don't doubt it. I've seen some in the church. We're going to pray around the altar. Bow your heads. Father, we love you today. We love you today. Thank you for this power. Thank you for this authority. We don't take it gloating. We don't take it selfishly. We don't take what you've given to us to use it on the flesh. But God, we receive it that we might glorify your name. We receive it today that we might help others and reach out and touch the lost and the hurting. That we might see lives transformed by your mighty power. God, that's the reason. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as your people. Most people here are believers. Help us as your children, as your followers, as your church, that we will dare know your word and take a stand against the enemy that the cross has cast down, that the cross has dealt with. God, we pray that you'd help us as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. They're going to begin to sing a song. I left time on the clock so we could have time. It's not time to go out yet. If you go out, no. If you have to leave, we understand. But listen, please stay. We're going to to do something very important. We're going to pray around the altar, and we're going to pray for special needs. But sing with us as we begin this song.